What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Quiet Part Loud podcast. Uh, you're listening to episode 150. And I cannot believe that after all this time, after a hiatus and a relaunch, uh, that we've actually gotten to 150 episodes. It's a lot of recording. It's a lot of talking. Um, but I just wanted to say massive, massive thank you to everybody that has listened everybody that subscribed on YouTube or followed us on Spotify and Apple. Uh, it, it means the world. It's, it's, uh, it's a great feeling. And, and I honestly didn't think when I pressed record for the first time that we'd be doing 150 of these and, uh, and motivated to keep going and to keep growing and to make the show as, as good as it possibly can be as a, you know, as a one man army, basically, which, uh, which this is, I say, we, um, but it's effectively me. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for staying engaged and uh, and for providing the feedback. Um, episode 150, I was kind of debating how I would do this because it's kind of a milestone episode, right? And I was like, do I, do I get reflective? Do I get personal? And I thought, you know what? Nah, let's just keep it on the track that we've been on and let's keep going uh, as we have. Uh, so just a bit of news. We're going to have some guests coming on uh, to the show over the next few weeks. Uh, one is a repeat guest, uh, and two you will not have heard before. Uh, one is in the uh, amateur boxing space, and one is in the crypto space. So I'm just working out the final details on those two, uh, and then lining up some specific dates. So I'll bring you more news on that as soon as I can. And uh, yeah, that's it. We'll get into uh, episode 150 and, uh, and get cracking. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about uh, some things that have been happening, obviously, over the last week or so since we last published, um, notably a lot around Biden in my notes uh, when I was just scribbling some thoughts down uh, a couple of days ago, getting ready to, you know, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to engage with? Um, so we're going to talk about uh, COP26, which is taking place in Scotland at the moment. We're going to be talking about uh, the national vaccine mandate that Joe Biden has uh, attempted to roll out. We're going to talk about him trending on Twitter for entirely the wrong reasons. Uh, we're going to talk about Elon Musk and the UN uh, World Food Program and curing world hunger. We're going to talk about the WHO and some guidance that they've published around a global uh, vaccine passport. And then we're going to talk about uh, some crypto. So we're going to talk about uh, some updates in my own personal crypto space and, uh, and, and just take a, a little look at, at sort of the wider environment uh, around this specific area of crypto, which is NFTs. Um, and if anybody is listening to this that spent any time with me in real life, you'll know that uh, I'm very excited about this space. So we'll get right into it. Uh, the place I want to start is with COP26. So COP26 has been going since the mid 90s. And it is, you know, the world leaders, you know, coming together to discuss climate change and ways to stave it off, solve it, um, you know, cut our carbon emissions and so on and so forth. But I've never really paid attention to COP until maybe the last couple of times that they've done it. And specifically, here because it's sort of crossed over into my professional life as well. 
and so I've been paying a little bit more attention to it. And obviously climate change is a massive, uh, is a massive issue and, you know, something that's on, you know, on the, on the minds of, of many, many people. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's an issue that's always been, you know, always, always brought up, always talked about for, you know, we have to do this in order to stop climate change. We have to cut our carbon emissions in order to stop our, you know, planet from imploding and the human race from, you know, being, uh, effectively flushed down the the cosmic toilet. Um, as with many things, as with most things that governments are involved with, COP26 is, for all intents and purposes, uh, uh, just a sham. It's just a show. Uh, it is it is a facade of action. It is nothing more than empty words, empty promises, empty plans. And you can see this kind of emptiness, this facade around COP simply by looking at some basic things, right? So all the world leaders, as they have to, have flown in to uh, to Glasgow. I think it is Glasgow or Edinburgh, or whatever. Um They've all flown in with their entourages and with their crew and their staff and, and all of that. And okay, let's let's park that for the minute because you can't exactly take a train, you know, from one side of the world to the other. So okay, we'll give them a bit of a pass on that, right? Okay. Well, can somebody explain to me why all of these people are arriving in uh like massive Mercedes-Benz sedans? There is a picture of the uh outside of cop and it was just all of the delegates all of the dignitaries all of the executives it was all of their vehicles and their chauffeurs just sitting in a courtyard many of them idling with their engines on and just spewing petrol fumes into the environment into the neighborhood into the you know congregation of reporters and journalists and you know people who help organize the event just sitting there you know, and there was 10, 15, 20 cars that I saw in uh, in the images that that were uh, that were published. And I just thought to myself, OK, well, that's one on the hypocrisy. OK, so tick. We've got that. Not not a massive surprise. But then you see Joe Biden roll in. And this old fart, as with every other president, has a motorcade of about 12 to 15 vehicles getting him from Air Force One to the hotel from the hotel to the conference center, from the conference center to the hotel, so on and so forth, right? And I just think to myself, what a sterling example. You know, what, what an amazing example from an administration that claims that they're going to be, you know, powering the green future. They can't even manage to convert their own fleet and motorcade into electric vehicles. I mean, they have all the money in the world at their disposal, but yet they're still running petrol cars. And I just think to myself, why the fuck should we listen to anything that these guys have to say, right? You see a picture of Boris Johnson passed out sitting next to David Attenborough, right? It's his country. He's the prime minister of the UK. He's hosting the event and he's sitting there like this. Like a fat slob that he is, can't even stay awake for some speeches. And then the cynics out there will say, oh, well, they just, they just caught him 
They just caught him with his eyes closed. He wasn't really sleeping. Get out of here. Beat it, nerd. That's bullshit. This fat slob was sitting there and he was effectively taking a nap. He was like this. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't kind of closing his eyes. He wasn't. There's footage of it. <laughs> there's footage of it. He was falling asleep. He was falling asleep. Why? Because he couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. Joe Biden, same thing. Sitting there listening to, you know, one of the other delegates speak and he starts dozing off. He's like. You know, and he, and one of his staff had to come over and effectively whisper in his ear and say, hey, Mr. President. So he woke up. They probably said, hey, pay attention, pay attention, <laughs> at least at least make it look like you're interested. But I just think. They can't even play by their own rules, right? The rules that they try to set out they're for us. This entire COP26 has been nothing more than a bunch of speeches about how we need to do our part. Now, they've made a pledge to give up coal. Oh, great, great. But the transition from coal to renewable energies is not a stop here and then start immediately. You have to bridge the transition. And they're not bridging the transition. If I look in the UK, they're not building the proper infrastructure required to promote um, electric vehicle ownership. Um, these subsidies for solar panels on your houses, I hear nothing about them, you know, and maybe there's an initiative out there, but it's the government's job to put these initiatives front and center. But the fact of the matter is they don't have any. All they're doing is saying, we need money for this. We need money for this. Let's make a plan of action to tackle this seriously and to make the changes required so that we avoid a two degree world and we keep it at 1.5 degrees. And it's all these bullshit talking points that they're actually, that actually add up to nothing because I mark my words and you know uh, I might not be around to actually see this come to fruition, but mark my words, 2050 or 2030, whatever years deadlines they're putting on themselves or putting on us or putting on everybody to become carbon neutral is absolutely not going to happen. I would love it if it did happen, but it is absolutely not going to happen. They're, from what I can see, they're using COP26 as an excuse to say how much money they are going to need to spend in order to even begin making the changes. I have not heard any significant infrastructure or development talks about what material changes they're going to make, starting with themselves in, in order to curb this climate crisis that they're talking about. And if you listen to some of these speeches, you would literally think that we are going to burn to death as a civilization next week. And I think there is a climate problem, for sure. I think there is changes to the weather patterns, disruptions to ecosystems. I think climate change will cause populations in the millions to be displaced. I think it will cause coastal waters to rise and to shrink land masses. I think these things will happen, but I don't think they're going to happen you know, in the next 15 years or so. I don't think, as Greta Thunberg would say, that we are 
basically that we're basically doomed already, you know, and I love people like her who will, you know, skip school for three years and, and go out there and, you know, be a pain in the ass and, you know, and, and blah, blah, blah to politicians and all of this. And yes, we need these activists. Yes, we need people to stand up and fight for change. Absolutely. I am an advocate for that without a doubt. But it's like I was saying on the last episode about Insulate Britain, it's the way in which you do it, right? And you being a condescending little teenager fuck does not do anything to help your cause. It just makes you look like a, like a complaining bratty little kid, right? And she's sitting out there and she's smiling. She's partying with all her, you know, other soy boy activist types. And I'm just like, why in the fucking world would we listen to an 18-year-old girl or 17-year-old girl, however old she is, about climate change. What experience does she have? What qualifications does she have that would warrant us saying, wow, she's really got a point there? She's not saying anything in her speeches, if you listen to them. All she's doing is complaining, just like all the government is doing, uh, all the government are doing, is asking for money. Where are the plans? They've had 20, what? 25 years, 26 years to get this done, to make some material changes, to put some plan of action in place, to start us down the path. Climate change is not a new issue. People have been talking about climate change since the 80s or maybe even before. But with the world leaders coming together on an annual basis for one specific purpose, not one plan has come out that would say this is going to make a material change. Other than saying we need to throw more money at the problem. We just need to throw more money at the problem. Well, I believe the total uh, revenue that's been kind of collected, donated, raised, uh, since COP began, is something like $20 trillion. $9 trillion of that has happened in the last two years because of COVID. $20 trillion, and the planet's hotter. The infrastructure is non-existent. I see nothing of material importance that any of these leaders have said, even David Attenborough, bless him, you know, and we all love, we all love David Attenborough, but even he goes up there and he, so he basically just showed us a clip of blue planet. And it's just like, you're not going to get the results desired by fear mongering the general public into change or else this is on your head right on your head be it if you're not the one like why are you not taxing the hundred companies that are responsible for 71 percent of all the global emissions why are you not putting levies on china and india and russia who are three of the top five or seven global polluters who by the way could not even be bothered to show up to COP. So what material change are you going to 
going to uh, initiate, if you can't even get the major polluters of the world to show up to a climate change conference, or what material change do you expect to be rolled out when you've had 20 trillion plus dollars in funding and fundraising and contributions and donations and you haven't been able to put any plan of action in place because every year they say the same thing. Now is the time. Prince Charles, again, I talked about him before. He's been working on climate change for the past 40 years. And now he's got the balls to stand up there at COP and say, we need to be treating this as if we're on a warlike footing. A warlike footing? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? A warlike footing. Stop with the hyperbole. Stop with the doom and gloom. Stop with the threats. And stop placing the blame on the average person. Take some fucking responsibility for the situation and put some material plans in place that are going to make some material changes. Because until we see it being led from the front, why the fuck should we do anything? Because everything is going to be forced upon us anyway. They're not going to do anything. They're going to make us do anything. They're not going to go to Exxon Mobil and start taxing them, putting a carbon tax on them. They're not going to start levying sanctions against China over climate change. No, they're going to charge us for plastic bags. They're going to put our heating up. They're going to make it all about us. You can't drive cars that have petrol or diesel anymore. City Con expanding the, uh, the ultra low emission zone in London. This is not doing anything. You're not going to, uh, you know, these massive transport companies and saying, if you don't convert your entire fleet in the next three years, then you are going to be taxed. They're not saying anything like this. They're saying the general public need to do it. The individual needs to take responsibility and the burden for all of this. Are we the ones that are flushing the chemicals into the rivers and into the oceans? Are we the ones with the massive stacks pumping out CO2 into the atmosphere by the ton on a monthly basis, yearly basis? No. <clears throat> we do our recycling. We keep our heat off when we don't. We keep our lights off when we leave the house. We turn everything off at the main when we leave our house. We only drive when it's absolutely necessary. Otherwise, we take public transport. How is this on the individual? It's time for these governments and these corporations to start putting their money where their fucking mouth is and stop levying everything onto the general public. Because to be quite frank, I think we're all getting a little tired of hearing it. I think we're all getting a little tired of hearing Greta Thunberg talk about how uh, blah, blah, blah. It's just blah, blah, blah. Why don't you make a plan instead of whinging and moaning all the fucking time? Boris Johnson, instead of having a cat nap, why don't you work on an actual plan of attack? Joe Biden, same thing. Why don't you take 10 cars, five cars, or why don't you change your fleet into an electric fleet? motorcade oh and then uh boris johnson had to get back to london how's he gonna get back to london well he's gonna fly his fucking private jet that's how he's getting back to london and the excuse he's a busy man he's a busy man he can't be taking a train god forbid he can't be taking a train that's absurd they don't care about climate change, guys. 
They care about ways to funnel money into their pocket, into the pockets of themselves and their friends. That's it. That's it. And what they want is they want massive amounts of money to come into the government, into the system, so that they can then disperse that to the places that they actually feel it would be best utilized. Just like the PPE contracts, right? All of these PPE contracts went to government friends. 100 million here, 60 million there, 40 million here. It's a Ponzi scheme. And I'm not saying climate change isn't real. Don't get me as a climate change denier or anything like that, because I've said up front that I do think these things are happening. My problem is the people who claim to be leaders of government, of nations, of industry, claiming that this is number one priority and we need to take care of our kids and we need to save the future. And we can't, you know, what, what do they say? It's, it's too, uh, it's, what do they say? Too two degrees. I don't know. There's some fucking stupid moniker. It's like two degrees higher or you die or some shit. I don't fucking know. It's all garbage anyways. Um, but they can't even organize a decent event around climate change, which they all claim is the number one problem facing humanity. Now we are at what did Boris Johnson say? This is like a football match and we're down five nil uh, five one or something like that. He said it is um, it is 1159 on the uh, on on the um, on the clock and we've got one minute to save ourselves and humanity. Does anybody for a minute believe them? Because I certainly don't believe them. All I see from this is empty promises, empty plans, begging and asking for more money. With actual with with absolutely nothing to show for it. So they'll start to funnel the money out, get it into these initiatives. All of a sudden, these initiatives will be run by Boris Johnson's friend or, you know, somebody like that. They don't care. They don't care. And I mean, it's just been a shambles of a show. It's been a shambles of an event. And I mean, this woman, I think, yeah, it was a woman. She was denied entry to COP26 because she was in a wheelchair and it wasn't handicapped accessible. The event was not accessible to people in wheelchairs. Well, she turned out to be an Israeli diplomat. So good job, guys. Good job. I can't take any of these clowns seriously, not even for a moment anymore. And paying attention to this event has just reinforced how I feel about government, how I feel about industry, how I feel about most people in society, if I'm being completely honest. And I don't want to be, you know, this negative person that just seems like he hates everything because I absolutely do not. But I'm so sick and tired of being fucking lied to, being sold a bill of goods, pretending like something's going to happen. But ultimately, it's just how they can fuck us more, how they can raise our taxes, how they can increase the cost of living on us. <coughs> and trust me, <clears throat> I am for a transition into sustainable, renewable energy. Absolutely. But you cannot go from A to B without a transition and a bridge. And that transition and that bridge is what needs to be talked about. Because otherwise, you're going to leave people without heating, without electricity. You're going to leave people destitute. You're going to charge people far too much 
to um, to access the technologies that are renewable because these things are still expensive. They're not, uh, you know, they're not, uh, well, they're not cheap. That's for sure. Um, you know, if you want solar panels put on your house, it's going to cost you a pretty penny to do that. And then, okay, what's the return on investment for that? Where are the subsidies? Where, where are the assistance programs? Where is the infrastructure? Where is the encouragement? And where is the leading from the front? My local council. They claim about having these LTNs and, 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 and putting in cycle lanes so we can all use less uh, petroleum and, and less gas power vehicles and, and we can walk and we, we can cycle and all that. Well, their entire fleet of vehicles for the Royal Borough of Greenwich, their garbage vans, their collection um, vehicles, et cetera, they're all gas powered. Boris Johnson flies from COP back to London. There was some problem with the train tracks for people trying to go to COP. So what will happen? What happened? They all took planes. They don't. They don't have any intention of making any material change. They just want to make it look like they are. That's it. It's our fault, and we're the ones that have to do it. That's what it's ultimately ultimately going to come down to, and they're going to do whatever they want and tax us and raise the cost of living on us as much as they want to fulfill whatever plans they might roll out. So I just wanted to talk about this because it's been a disgrace. It's been an embarrassment and absolutely nothing will happen off of the back of it. Mark my words. Um, we, we talked about Biden and his, and his motorcade and, and, and whatnot. Well, there was also the G20 summit. I think it was happening in Italy and Joe Biden had an audience with the Pope. They had a meeting set up and this, uh, this started, this started one of the funniest hashtags I've seen on Twitter in some time. It was poopy pants. Biden <laughs> poopy pants. Biden was trending on Twitter for a good four days. I think it was. And this is in relation to him meeting the Pope and effectively a photo op. And, uh, and a journalist asking him a question to which he didn't reply Pope, he replied Pope. So this, coupled with, and I know it sounds mental, I know it sounds absurd, but this, coupled with the fact that he showed up in a black suit, and by the time he was having his second photo op with the Pope done, where they were sitting down in conversation, he had changed his suit entirely. So the rumors are, and the, and the, uh, and the conspiracy is, that during the meeting, he shat his pants. Now, he's an old man. We know he's losing his marbles. And I hope it's not true because I, you know, I kind of feel bad at this point, them dragging this poor old bastard around when all he should be doing is retiring into the sunset, enjoying the, the final few years of his life. He's being dragged pillar to post like some puppet. And I've said it before. And the act and the um, the analogy, I think, is is spot on. He is like Bernie at Weekend at Bernie's, where the two guys carry this dead rich man around just to get themselves uh, into parties and to have a good time and to bang chicks and, you know, all of that. I think it's exactly the same thing. They're basically carting around a corpse. Biden is not running that administration. I don't care what anybody says. And 
I just thought that if that happened, I mean, what a, what an embarrassment to him. I mean, for him, I mean, he can't be happy doing what he's doing. I mean, these narcissists that crave this power position, even when they're losing their marbles and then people around them, their political party, just prop them up, basically swing their arms over, you know, each one of their shoulders and start, you know, carting them around and shit. It's so sad to see. It's incredibly sad to see, but it's politics. And I don't, I don't have a beating heart um, and a soft place in it for politicians. I just don't. They wanted this. What's the, what's the saying? Anybody that should be president would never run for president. And everybody that does run for president should not be president. And I think that holds really, really true. Because look what is happening to Biden now. How the fuck do you claim he got 81 plus million votes from the American public 10 months ago. And now he has a, an approval rating of around 40%, maybe even lower across the board. And that's with Democrats, right? And apparently they came out in force. It's a shambles and it's really, really sad to see. But it's also sad to see when our 50 plus year old prime minister can't keep his fucking eyes open for 10 minutes while he's leading a conference and sit in front row next to a national treasure like David Attenborough. It's an absolute farce. COP is an absolute farce. Their strategy and plans on climate change are an absolute farce. And at the end of the day, all they're going to do is print more money to put it in their friends' pockets while they pass on all the costs and the problems to us. So sticking with Biden, he's now announced a national vaccine mandate in America. And for anybody in the UK, I know you might not care about America, but you should care about America because generally what happens is what happens in America comes to us, you know, not too long or not too far thereafter. And I'm concerned. I've mentioned it before. I'm concerned. And a lot of America is concerned as well. And it's great to see the protests and the people standing up, which is not being reported as obvious um, in the mainstream media. You will not see these protests on CNN or Fox News or Reuters or wherever. You're not going to see them. But something like 12 or 15 fire departments shut in New York, I think it was, because um, because they refused to be uh, mandated to get the vaccine. Same is happening with police officers and um, police departments. And ultimately, what this is doing is putting the lives of the general public in danger. Right? If you don't have people there to you know put out fires, if you don't have people there to answer domestic violence calls, or you know whatever it may be. You're in a world of chaos. You are in a dystopian uh, society in which the rule of law and order no longer exists. Not because we've had a revolution and we've taken over and we've gotten rid of the police. No, 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 no. Because we've told them, our government, I shouldn't say we, the government has told them, if you don't do what we tell you, and that means putting some chemicals in your arm that really are still yet to be proven with ultimate efficacy, 
you're going to lose your job. And they said, okay, we'll fucking fire us then. This is the argument. This is the given play, a given take that we want to play. This is the Russian roulette that we want to play with our public services. We talked about it before them telling nurses and frontline workers either get vaccinated or get fired. It's happened in Australia. It's happened in France, happening in the UK, happening in America. Where are these leaders and their common sense? I mean, at this point, can we even call them leaders? What are they leading us to other than destruction, despair, higher costs of living, a more destitute existence, being able to put your family, uh, put food on the table for your family or send your kids to school or pay your mortgage or pay, uh, I don't know, something basic like your electricity bill? How do we call these people leaders anymore? They don't deserve the title. They don't deserve our respect and they don't deserve our votes. And I'm just waiting for somebody to pop up and say, let's do things differently. Unfortunately, it's a very hard system to break into, especially here in the UK, because unless you come from one of these private schools where all these Ponzi fucks send their kids to keep this cycle of aristocracy going, you don't get in. There's been nobody in the UK that's risen to power that's outside of these kind of two main political parties, no independents or anything like that, that have made any real impact or change. And so I, I'm, I'm remiss to even continue calling them leaders because they don't even deserve the title because they're not leading us towards anything. Again, don't forget, Boris Johnson said in a leaked memo that Dom, or a leaked email that Dominic Cummings was talking about, he said, I don't want to fix the COVID problem. I like the chaos. When the chaos is happening, that means they're not paying attention to the other stuff. They want us worried. They want us scared. They want us fearful. And they want us walking on eggshells at all times. This is the same with corporations and businesses. You see all these cost-cutting measures that are coming in and redundancies that have been happening throughout the pandemic. They are trying to fear-monger the rest of their staff into compliance and keeping their fucking mouth shut and not to step out of line or else fear of reprisal and loss of income. That's all. That's all. So I'm, I'm remiss. I, I don't want to call these people leaders anymore. I'm going to start calling them by their first names, and that is it. They don't deserve any respect from us. They haven't earned that. You earn respect by action and by the content of your character. And when I see the leaders falling asleep at what they claim is the conference that's going to address the biggest single problem facing us as a country and as a global community. And they say these, you know, they, they give us these talking points and these analogies that mean nothing. It's, it's time for something else. It really, really is. Um, but I did think the poopy pants Biden thing was fucking hilarious. Um, I just, I don't see how, I just don't see how you can try to roll out the vaccine mandate nationally. It just it doesn't seem even possible to me. So, I mean, 
yeah, it's just all a bit absurd, isn't it? But um, let's move on because uh, there's some more absurdity I want to talk about before we get to some of the good stuff and some of the fun stuff. Um, if you haven't seen this, um, I actually tweeted it out a couple of days ago. Uh, the the news that the WHO, the World Health Organization, uh, they have a guidance document that they've published now. Um, and effectively what this is for is to roll out a uh, vaccine passport program globally for every country under one uh, World Health Organization banner, effectively. Um, there's a big paper on it. They've written their logic behind it. And of course, it's, you know, it's all around coronavirus and COVID and, and protecting everybody and, and making sure that they can deal with these pandemics in the future more effectively and blah, 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 as our old friend Greta would say. Um, I'm so concerned about this because we spoke about uh, the World Economic Forum. We've, we've spoken about the United Nations and their digital passport programs that they're rolling out for their employees and, you know, how they're using this as effectively, you know, a test bed, uh, a test case for how they could then roll it out to everybody else. Well, the WHO have now released some guidance on, on how they think they want to do this. And it's terrifying. It's terrifying because, you know, the world, the world Health Organization is effectively controlled by China, right? We saw that during the early stages of the pandemic when reporters and journalists were, were talking about, you know, whether it be a lab leak or China's responsibility in, in, you know, allowing this virus to get out and to spread. And, you know, they just would not field any questions. They pretended like they didn't hear the questions. They ended the call. Um, you know, it was a real shambles. And it just showed, you know, who the World Health Organization are under the, under the surface, as, as it were. Um, but they're beholden, like many, to the ones that fund them. And America are a massive funder of them, but China are also a massive funder of them as well. And it seems that China have more sway than America with the World Health Organization, as demonstrated. Um, but now that they've allowed, they've built this framework that would allow every country to effectively enter into a World Health Organization uh, vaccine passport program, you're seeing this consolidation of power. And I don't want my data being held in a massive repository any more than it already is. So I was at the, um, I was at the O2, uh, was it last weekend? I think it was last weekend. And I was supposed to be going there for some boxing. And when I was reading the guidance on, on the event, it said, you have to have your vaccine passport ready or you will be denied entry. And so I was like, okay, do I do this thing? And I was really reluctant and, you know, I was, I was dead set against it at first, but I was like, I don't want to be, I also don't want to be that guy that can't take part in things with his friends just because I don't want to do this vaccine passport, even though entering into this vaccine passport goes against my better judgment. So I, I started the process of filling it out and they, um, they said, oh, we have to send you a six digit verification number and then that will give you access to the app. So I went through it, did it. I didn't get a verification number. 
I thought something had happened or what have you. So I did it again, asked for the verification number, and it didn't come through. I did it multiple times, and it didn't happen. And now I'm at the event. Now I'm at the bar waiting or deciding whether or not I'm going to try to sneak in or be snuck in or whatever. Um, but it never came through. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm not one of these kind of hokey cokey type of fucking spiritual, like, oh, karma and, you know, the secret type of bullshit. Like, oh, if you put it out there, if you just think positively about it, something will happen. But I was like, this is kind of weird. Like, I'm very, very much against this vaccine passport. And even when I went to go against my better judgment to do it, it didn't happen. And that just was writing on the wall for me. Now, I know I'm going to have to at some point because I want to travel and I want to go abroad and I'm desperate to do that. But international travel, I can almost justify that to a point. Domestic events around the corner from my house, fuck that. After that night, I said to myself, nah, nah, you're not doing that. You're not doing that. And I know if I do one for travel, it'll, it'll be the same one that I can use to get into events and all of that stuff. I understand that. But I am not going to prop up an economy that thrives on slavery. And slavery is exactly what we're being ushered into. You are being told either you get a jab in your arm and put all your fucking information into this app so we can track wherever you go, whatever you do. If we decide that you're sick and you can't, be out and about we can have somebody come to your house and give you a fine of up to ten thousand pounds i'm not doing it i'm not putting my money into the economy that way anymore you have to come with something better than like this or that this or nothing kind of thing if you give me ultimatums I'm the type of guy that's going to tell you to go fuck yourself. It's just who I am. It's just how I'm, I'm wired. So I was, I was really glad that it didn't happen, especially after I'd seen a couple of days later, this WHO framework terrifies me guys. It terrifies me. And I don't want to be sitting here, you know, being this conspiracy theorist and all that, but I don't think this is a conspiracy theory anymore because go back seven months and they said categorically, <coughs> the UK government has no intention of rolling out vaccine passports to the public. They said it. And I turned to my wife and she turned to me and we both kind of collected, like simultaneously said, I wonder how long that'll last. And sure enough, it lasted a couple of months and then they were talking about putting them out. And now we've got all of these major global institutions saying, we're going to roll out this program. We're going to roll out this program. And it's all about tracking and it's all about control. And I'm just not interested in it. But I do want to travel. The main thing I want to do is buy a house in the country with a plot of land. I want to grow my own vegetables. I want to run my own energy. And I don't want to interact with 99.9% .9 of society because I think they're fucking useless. I think everything that we're being run by is fucking useless. And it's just all getting very, very boring. And I don't want to be here in a position of vulnerability when all the bricks fall down because they're falling down now. I mean, have you seen the price of your groceries? Have you seen the price of gas? Have you seen the price of electricity? 
when electricity starts going up like this and all of these companies start going down the toilet, which is happening now in the UK, you've got real problems coming around the corner, folks. Real problems coming around the corner. It's always energy prices that go up first and then you'll see consumer prices go up and then everything else will go up. They've just said, the Bank of England just said, um, and I think the Federal Reserve said this too. They said, um, we're, we're keeping interest rates at 0.1%. Yeah, of course you are. Of course you are. Because if you move those interest rates, even a decimal point up, you're going to have some major pain on your hands. People are going to start not being able to pay their bills, not being able to pay their rent, not being able to pay their mortgage. They're not going to be able to travel into work. They're not going to be able to pay for their kids. You want to collapse the economy? Put the interest rates up again. Because you drive the interest rates down so low is a problem in the first place. But I'm just a bit sad that I didn't take advantage of this earlier. I should have went to the bank and got a shit ton of money and just put it in Bitcoin. Because if I would have put 10 grand in Bitcoin last year as a loan from the bank, I would have paid that loan back. I could have paid that loan back four times over easily. And I probably would have had enough to buy another house. But I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to leverage myself like that um, because I'm a bit risk adverse. But I should have. I should have. And now I'm going whole hog into that motherfucker. So before we go back to crypto, and we're going to, as I said at the beginning, I want to just talk about something else in terms of these uh, government and like multinational organizations. Um, because the uh, World Food Program came out last week and said it, it, it would cost um, it would cost six billion dollars to end world hunger. And that's only 2% of Elon Musk's net worth. Okay, bold statement. Didn't really see any evidence of it. Didn't see any justification of how they'd arrived at that number. But it didn't need to, because Elon being, you know, the master of Twitter, because he's fucking incredible at it. Um, Elon turned around and said, if you can demonstrate to me in this Twitter thread, how $6 billion will cure world hunger. I will sell off my Tesla stocks to the order of $6 billion, and I will donate that money to solve this problem. I mean, talk about putting your money where your fucking mouth is, right? What a legend. When he put that tweet, I was like, here we go. Here we go. Let's see what these motherfuckers have to say now. And predictably, they said for a minute, nothing. Then they said, it will, uh, it's not that simple. Excuses, straight out, the, straight out, right? From the CEO of the World Food Program, it's not that simple. We have to take care of this, that, the other thing. And um, I'll put the tweet up and, and, and you'll be able to see it. Uh, but Elon said, no, 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 no. What I'm looking for is open source accounting that can be looked at and scrutinized by the general public. Once that's out there, if the numbers stack up, I'll give you the money. Where do you think we are now? That's right. Nowhere. Because the United Nations and the food, uh, World Food Program will not, I repeat, will not publish a public, a publicly transparent 
audit of how they would use $6 billion to cure world hunger. One, because it wouldn't. Two, because it would expose the UN and the World Food, uh, World Food Program as a organization not unlike many others that funnel massive amounts of their donations and of their fundraising efforts into the pockets of their CEOs and the other influential people that uh, are, are involved in running those organizations. And one of the things that I forgot to mention just came back into my head, that Biden vaccine, uh, Biden vaccine, the Biden vaccine mandate program. Well, that's tied into this because who's been giving all of the advice to the public like he's Mr. fucking MD himself, Bill Gates, right? You always see Bill Gates saying, this is what the vaccine, this is what the vaccines do, and this is why they're great, and this is why everybody should be taking them. Well, he's not an impartial player because the World um, Health Organization that released that guidance about the, um, about the uh, vaccine passport, well, that research was funded by the Gates Foundation, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Rockefeller Foundation. So I know we got from World Hunger, but I wanted to go back to it really quickly just because um, it was uh, that came into my head about who was funding uh, the research and the reports that the uh, World Health Organization had put out. But going back to Elon, uh, Elon, Elon, um, Elon, uh, Elon was basically like, show me the numbers. And if they're right, I'll do it. But this, the UN have not done it. They won't do it. Because why? Because they're a fucking corrupt organization that would basically funnel that cash into the pockets of their most influential members. That's it. That's it. And then <laughs> he posts another thing in response to them after the World Food Program uh, CEO had posted, oh, it's more nuanced than that. And there's all these things to consider and blah, 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 blah. Just trying to, you know, uh, kind of, you know, look over here. Don't look over there kind of tactic. Elon shared a, um, a link and he said, well, what about this? And if you click the link, it opened up into an express article um, that said, don't quote me, I'll put it up. Something along the lines of uh, children forced to give oral sex to UN workers in order to receive aid. I mean, I'm just going to leave that there. And like I said, it'll be up on the screen and you can check it out yourself. But I think he's done this on purpose to expose them for the organization and the corrupt organization that they are. And I just think it's really interesting that you make such a bold statement like that, almost, almost daring a guy to respond to you and to put his money where his mouth is. And he comes right back and says, show me the cat, show me the numbers and I'll do it now. And then they froze and they said, Oh fuck. Oh fuck. We were hoping this was going to make us look good. But in fact, it's having the complete opposite effect on us. And that's what these organizations do. That's what these government and these NGOs are like, right? And you look at COP and it's the same thing. And you look at Joe Biden and it's the same thing. 
You look at the World Health Organization and the United Nations and the World Economic Forum, and we are being run by a bunch of tyrants who don't give a fuck about helping anybody except themselves and fatten in their pockets so that their multi-generational wealth continues and the rest of us starve. Was that too harsh? Let's move on to something uh, a little bit more, a little bit more fun. Um, so I've mentioned crypto on here and I'm a baby infant mind when it comes to, uh, understanding cryptocurrency. Okay. I'm, I'm literally reading on it every day, but the pace of change in this space is so fast that I can't keep up. I, I I'm, I'm struggling to keep up, but it's so exciting. And I just wish I had a little bit more capital behind me because I am effectively ready to go. All listen, if I wasn't married and I didn't have a mortgage and a roof to keep over my wife and family's head, I would be all in on this. And I probably should be all in on it because I have a family and a roof to keep over their head. Because when this economy goes into the toilet, the only thing that's going to help us is, in my opinion, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and the new digital currency and energy network that's being established and being adopted at a rate that is multiples faster than even the internet was adopted. We've never seen anything like this in our lives. So I hold some crypto, as I've said before, not a lot, but definitely not as much as I would want to, but I'm working on building that up, um, actively building that up. But there's another space. So there's a space called uh, NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Okay, And the use case for non-fungible tokens, NFTs, the, the use case right now has effectively been artwork. So you'll see different communities of, um, of folks that kind of congregate around a specific artist or a specific product. And if you want some to go and look at, I would say uh, good examples of this are Axie Infinity, um, Decentraland. You can go and look at uh, something like the Bored Ape Yacht Club or, or CryptoPunks. Let's say these are really, really popular. These are really, uh, these are blown up now. So for example, uh, crypto punks have been around since 2017 and we're sitting here coming into 2022 and um, you know you would never imagine that these things have been around for five years because most people that you mentioned nfts to don't even know what the hell they are yet right which is which makes me really excited because even though i feel like i'm late to the party i'm actually early to the party right i'm not as early as some people but that's okay because there's still only a very small amount of people who are involved in cryptocurrency at all, right? So that gives me hope that I'm not too late and that anybody listening to this, it's also not too late for you either. And I treat this very much as like an investment strategy in stocks or savings, let's say. So I don't trade. I don't sell my crypto and buy back and, you know, sell, sell the highs and, and, and buy the dips or anything. I do buy the dips when I can, um, but I, I'm not trading. I'm a holder. Okay. So all of the crypto I've got are in, you know, multiple spaces, multiple wallets, and I don't touch them. I just add to them. But this NFT space is different. This NFT space is something that's very, very exciting to me, not for the artwork specifically, although I do like that because there's a really kind of, I don't know, something weird about it. Um, 
there's something weird about it. I bought my first one yesterday and I absolutely love it. And I'm like, I'm totally geeking out on it. And I'm going to buy more. <laughs> I'm going to buy more. Um, you know, hashtag art collector. <laughs> um, I'm going to buy more, but it's not the artwork that excites me about the NFT space. The way I think of NFTs, and hopefully when I have uh, the, the, um, the guest on that's a crypto expert, he'll be able to shine some more light on this. Because again, I'm a beginner, right? I don't know shit. I'm not a computer scientist. I don't know anything. What I, what I, what I try to what I try to pride myself on is being able to understand what's going to happen in the coming years. Right. That's, that's something like, but my problem is I've always been, I've always been someone who notices these things, but doesn't act on them to my own detriment. Right. Like I was telling other people to invest in Tesla when it was $50 a share, but I didn't put any of my own money in like a fucking retard. Right. So I'm trying to minimize those things, those occurrences as much as humanly possible with uh, the digital um, digital currency and the crypto space in general. So NFTs, they are being used in, and again, I'll, you know, as I said, go and check out some of those examples that I mentioned. But there's a huge, huge application here for NFTs. And I think in the future, most things are going to be NFT'd. NFT, um, because I think the application for art, obviously, uh, music, video, gaming, sports, fashion, I think, um, I think it's hard to grasp the full potential, but I think this thing goes into property and real estate. I think it goes into, um, I think it goes into most things. I think it goes into most spaces. Real estate, I think, is going to be a very, very big one. Because the way you have to think of NFTs is not in the very base form, right? Like, so when I tell people, oh, look what I bought. I bought an NFT. They're like, why the fuck did you spend money on a JPEG? And I'm like, that's not the point. That's not the point. I want to see how it works. I'm testing it out to see how it works. And yes, I love my artwork now, and I'm probably going to get it put on t-shirts and hats and fucking everything I can because I've changed it to my profile picture to every single thing that I do online. My NFT is now my profile picture. So as I said, I'm geeking out on it. I love it. I think there's huge capacity in the space, most of which we've basically not even scratched the surface on yet. But the way I think about this, and correct me in the comments if I'm wrong, but the way I think about NFTs is not about the artwork application. It's about the infrastructure of what is behind an NFT. And that's a smart contract. And a smart contract is something that I think is going to take over the business world entirely. I think when you make agreements company to company, they're, you know, they'll be done on smart contracts that are locked in a blockchain. These things can then automatically um, distribute things like uh, residuals and commissions and um, and revenue shares and 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 ownership swaps and 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 put you can put different parameters into the and again I'm talking absolute 
base level understanding of smart contracts, but they are so flexible and so intelligent and so malleable and customizable to do any sort of functionality that you want. And everything that you do within that space is then locked in to the blockchain. And I just think that is so exciting because like I've got my NFT now. Let me show you my NFT. I'm so, I'm such a geek. Let me show you my NFT real quick. Um, go to my wallet, go to my NFT. And, oh, can you see it? No, because I've got my zoom on. There it is. <laughs> there he is. So that's from a collection called Ultra Punks. And Ultra Punks are only two weeks old. Okay, so what you want to look for, if you're going to dip into the artwork side of, of the NFTs, look for community, look for the size of the community. Now, if you've got a community, like let's say on Twitter with like a few thousand people, that's a really nice kind of budgeting, burgeoning community, right? It's not like the board Ape Yacht, Ape Yacht Club. You can't buy a board Ape Yacht Club. The average price of a board Ape Yacht Club Ape Yacht Club NFT is $16,500, okay? These things were a couple of hundred quid a few months ago, okay? Uh, what was the other one? CryptoPunks, same thing. Jay-Z just bought his CryptoPunk. I don't know how much he paid for it, but now it's his profile picture on, uh, on his Twitter account as well. Sotheby's just sold an NFT of a Bored Ape Yacht Club for $3.2 million, Is this a blip? Is this a, a pump and dump thing? Mm, I may have said that in the beginning, but now there's too much money in this economy already. There's hundreds, there's, there's millions and millions of dollars being circulated in the art-based NFT. And we're not even talking about the full scope of what this technology can do. Imagine you go to sell a house, right? And I don't know, I'm trying to try to think of an example. You could arrange hypothetically to sell your house within a smart contract that then provides you with a commission every single time that house is sold in the future. Now, if it's a hundred thousand pound house, cause you live in some, you know, raggedy old, you know, neighborhood in America or something like that, that may not mean anything to you, but imagine if you're selling a, $5 million house and you can arrange a commission back to you as a royalty for the original ownership of that house. And that's locked in a smart contract. So you don't do anything. Every time that house is sold, it's automatically royalties to you. Think about the music industry. Think about independent artists. Think about independent creators and YouTubers and things like this and, and authors and journalists. And you want to publish a book, but you don't want to go through Amazon or something like that. But you can publish your book with an NFT that says uh, that the royalties from that will be paid to you in perpetuity no matter what, right? So <clears throat> there's all sorts of ways you can help charity, ways you can help industry. There's, there's my, I mean, my mind starts going, Whoa, when I start to think about the possibilities 
And most of the people that I talk to just scoff at me. They just scoff at me. They say, what have you spent money on a JPEG for? Why would you do that? And I say, why not? What are you investing in? What is your money going to? What is your capital going to? Are you putting it in, a, in an ISA? Are you putting it in an IRA? Are you putting it in a, um, you know, what do you call it? Uh, the uh, 401k? You putting it in a pension? You working on your pension fund, are you? Well, if you're my age, and you can guess my age if you want to, you'll probably get it wrong. Um, if you're my age, by the time you get to pension age, those pensions are, go are gone. They're not going to be there for us. They're not going to be there to pay us and give us our money back that we've contributed to these pension funds over the, you know, the working career and our working life. These pensions are going to be gone. They're going to raise the retirement age to 75 or 80. You're going to work until you die. So if you don't take advantage of what is being touted as the biggest wealth producing opportunity effectively in the history of the world, then I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. But what I can tell you for sure is that this is a fun space. This is super fun. You should go on to OpenSea. OpenSea is the largest marketplace for NFTs on the internet right now. And all you have to do is get yourself a crypto wallet. So if you've got a Coinbase wallet or a MetaMask wallet or something else, and you've got money in there in terms of like Ethereum in there, because uh, most of these things are done on the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, if you if you do, uh, if you fund your, your wallet, you can literally buy something. And like the artwork I bought, it was in my wallet within two minutes. Amazing. And just for reference, and a big shout out to the to the community that's starting to grow. Um, these are like crypto punks, but they're called ultra punks. Okay, so it's a different thing. And as I said, you can't buy a crypto punk if you're a normal, regular, everyday Joe, right? Just a working class stiff. You're not going to have the money, and you're probably not going to have the understanding of why you should. But it's probably too late for crypto punks, right? All those are bought up. All the rich people have them. All the people with cash or who got into the crypto space really early, who have tons of fucking money because of crypto now, they've got them all, all right? The Board Ape Yacht Club, they're very expensive to buy, right? But there are ones out there and you just have to do a bit of looking. You have to do a bit of searching. But at the end of the day, don't worry about buying it because you think it's going to make you a millionaire or not. Buy it because you like it. And if you don't like it, don't fucking buy it. I'm just giving you some advice in terms of what I'm seeing in the space. And I don't know a lot about it. I'm still learning every day. I'm trying to learn as much as possible. But what an exciting time to be alive. We've got all of this shit and all of this chaos that's going around us with these traditional government institutions and functions that we've, you know, grown up with. And, you know, they're just embedded in our lives because of, you know, they're effectively grandfathered in that do nothing for us. They don't help us. They don't help us get ahead in life. They don't help us secure our family's future, nothing. And here comes an opportunity that is mathematically based, that is secured digital energy, effectively. It's digital energy. And I see this NFT space as an incredibly 
incredibly exciting space. Think of it like, you know how people like used to collect, um, uh, what were those like little furry things called? The, not Teletubbies. Um, beanie Babies? Is that what they were called? Yeah, Beanie Babies. Yeah. <laughs> Remember? And some of them were like collector's items and you have these weirdos that have like fucking rooms full of them. Well, it's no different. I'm an NFT weirdo now, right? But the difference is they're all on here. They're all on here. So you don't need a room full of stuffed animals and you don't need to collect like, you know, different, um, I don't know, like porcelain dolls and, you know, whatever, 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 whatever your, whatever floats your boat. There's an opportunity here now to do this digitally and it's much more secure and it's much more uh, flexible. And again, the art side of NFTs is only the use case. It's not the full scope of application for what an NFT is or how it will be applied in the future. And don't think of NFT as a JPEG. Think of NFT as a smart contract. And a smart contract gives you the ability to put the terms and conditions in an automated way, locked in the blockchain forever. This is not a paper contract. This is not a PDF. This is locked in the blockchain, verifiable. But so is my artwork. My artwork's verifiable. That's mine now. So if I ever saw my NFT being used by somebody else, I can show them why that's not theirs. And that they're effectively just borrowing it or using it. Uh, you know, I wonder if you could actually put into smart contracts like, like copyright infringement terms as well. But I don't see how that would apply if you're, yeah, anyways, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. <laughs> um, anyways, I just wanted to tell you guys that I bought an NFT. I did this whole show today to tell you guys that I, I bought an NFT and that I'm so happy with it and I can't wait to buy more. And I, when I find something like this and I have sort of a light bulb moment and maybe I haven't explained it correctly and that's why I'm going to have somebody who's way more qualified to talk about this space than I am uh, on the show in a few weeks time. Um, I just wanted to tell you guys about something that I found that's super exciting. And I have, you know, my basic, you know, kind of light bulb moment, but it just started opening, opening up all of these like, okay, well, what if I, you know, um, you know, what if I wanted to sell a house? Could I do that via a smart contract with an NFT or could I, I guess it would be, can I NFT my house effectively? And that, effectively from my understanding says how can i create a smart contract for the sale of my house right or you could do rentals or airbnbs through nfts and things like that right like you could do um maybe do definance uh, decentralized finance with them and stuff like that I, I don't know i don't know i'm 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 a fucking idiot. What do I know? I'm just super excited about the space. And I just wanted to bring you guys um, a little bit more news around it and end on a positive because with this cute little motherfucker, hey, let's look at him again. Let's look at him again before we go. Hang on. How can you be happy with that little cute motherfucker right there? Come on, guys. Come on. Oh, I can't wait till I've got a collection of them. Listen. 
that's it for me. I gotta, I gotta go do some other stuff, but, um, I'm glad we jumped on. Uh, I hope you guys will check out the space again, refer to the link, uh, refer to the, to the sites and some of the areas that I've told you about. You want to check out OpenSea. You want to check out Solana Art. You want to check out uh, Rarible. You want to check out um, different places. And that will maybe get you started in terms of understanding, you know, um, a little bit more about the space. But if you're interested, ask some questions. Let's get the conversation going in the comments. Let's, uh, let's start to, um, let's start to make it right? Let's start to get excited about the potentials rather than being scared about what might be or what we might lose. Let me tell you what you're going to lose. If you keep your fucking money in a bank, you're going to lose. If you keep your money in shit that doesn't appreciate, you're going to lose. <clears throat> and I can't see anything appreciating more than everything that's connected to this digital currency space. We're going through a cycle, guys, and it's time to get involved. So my encouragement to you, and this is not financial advice because I'm not giving you shit. I'm just telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I'm finding out. And you can use that information for whatever you would like. But there's a couple of options. There's a couple of sites you can check out. And who knows, maybe it's the start of a journey um, that like me, you'll be very excited about and curious to, um, to explore further. So uh, that's a wrap for me. It's episode 150. I wanted to end with a smile on my face. We started with a smile on our faces and, um, and let's just keep the positivity going guys. I know we talk about a lot of nasty shit. I know we talk about a lot of depressing shit, but it's not to be negative. It's to be aware. And if we're aware, we can take action and changes and steps that we need to get out of this mess and at least secure our own future for ourselves and our families while the rest of the world can fall down by being beholden to these slave owners because they don't care about you. It is time to be independent. It is time to do your own thing. It is time to take your future into your own hands and go with speed, energy, and vigor into whatever the next chapter of your life is. And I know for sure the next chapter of my life hangs heavily in this space because to me, it is becoming undeniable. So with that, I'm going to sign off for episode 150. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Spotify. Check us out on Apple. Hit us up on Twitter. We'll talk shit with you on Twitter. Um, Facebook as well, if you like. Um, next week, I want to talk about the metaverse, I think. But we'll see how it goes. Um, anyways, that's a wrap. Guys, take care of yourselves. And um, we'll see you next time. Until then, all the best. Thank you.